0: Welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast, bringing you the latest in health and technology through interviews with disruptive startups and leaders. Subscribers get a new episode every Thursday at 6 pm, and I'm your host, James Someru. Hey, everybody. So, how do you go from the post room at Virgin Records to becoming a health tech entrepreneur? How does watching iTunes disrupt the music industry prepare you to disrupt healthcare? And in health tech, why is it so important to delight users with a great experience? All these answered and more on this week's episode, where I'm joined by Elliot Angers, who's founder and CEO of Infinity Health, which is a London-based startup that's developed a suite of digital tools to improve workflow and task management in healthcare, so basically helping clinicians become far more efficient and far more productive. So Infinity was founded at the end of 2013 by Elliot and his co-founder, Dr. Adam Benton, Elliot's got an awesome background, as I mentioned, coming from the music industry, watching iTunes completely disrupt that sector. And now he's taken that learning into health tech and is an expert in managing software products and services. In 2014, uh, Infinity got a grant from Innovate UK to develop these digital tools and handover and task management solutions and over the years that's developed into what the company does now which provides collaboration as i say task management handover all all of the above and you can hear all about that on the episode and as always if you want to get in touch with us head over to the description of this episode you can find links to infinity to elliot to us at hs and to me so by all means guys head over check that out send us a comment send us an email leave a review and go ahead and enjoy the episode Hey everybody and thanks for listening to this week's episode. and making it all the way to the end. If you enjoyed it remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow us on all of our socials so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content. Elliot welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing this morning? Very good thank you James. How are you? Excellent I'm very well. Um, Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today Elliot?
1: I'm in our current office, which might sound a little bit echoey, so I apologise for that because it actually is a conservatory. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. We're right by nice. Lord's Cricket Ground at the moment. Um, oh, but we glorious. We probably won't be here for very much longer. We need a bit more space.
0: All, all good signs for a, for a health tech company that's growing. Um, yeah. Cool. So, bit of a spoiler alert, I suppose, that for the rest of the podcast. But, Elliot, so why don't you tell our listeners your story? I mean, you and I have obviously had... Uh, a, a wonderful i guess friendship now let me call it over the past few years um and so i know all about your background but yeah for the benefit of our listeners tell us your story
1: that's right we met a long time ago so my story i suppose from university i guess um i st- i i just before i began university i decided i was meant to be doing uh philosophy at southampton and decided that that wasn't going to be for me um and that i tried to jump ship and started a music degree at Westminster University I didn't know you Uh, did that there you go so um (laughs) and it was a mix of sort of like music theory production playing um and the commercial side of that um and I did that for about a year um and I got really really frustrated uh, with it and then I did the classic thing and dropped out of university to go and get a real job. Um, and I started working in the music business. So um, I kind of I approached, there was a specialist recruiter for the music industry at that time called Handel. And um, I managed to get a job working in the post-stream at Virgin Records. Nice. Which is also another cliche, I suppose. Um, and Within two months, I, was, I had my dream job, which was working for um, the best manager I ever had, which was Dolly Clue. Um, At virgin records in college marketing. So I was promoting uh, the bands. I loved to my peers, essentially um, Going up and down the country and promoting to student broadcast network radio and things like that Um, And that was a dream for a while and then I moved up. I was working for UK marketing um, and uh, The interesting thing about working in marketing in the music industry is you're essentially um, right at the center of all of the action once a band or an act has created their record it gets handed over to uh, the marketing department and then they manage video production touring sales yeah PR um, and so you get to see all aspects all facets of um, marketing really good records and so I did that for a while until Apple came to see us and showed us something that they called iTunes um, <laughs> and um and you know everyone that was under 25 and had been talking about digital distribution um sort of like looked at each other and I handed in my notice two weeks later because I knew the writing was on the wall wow. um yeah and um I set up a digital agency to make community websites for uh, media organizations like Sky Television or West End Shows and we did that for a while and meanwhile my co-founder At Infinity, Dr. Adam Benton, um, who works at Stammer Orthopaedic, had been in my ear for 10 years saying, we really ought to do something in healthcare. Um, We now have the technical ability and the commercial ability to go and do this. And um, I had said no, um, because I thought that working with the NHS was going to be difficult and most of the problems are going to be solved by very large global companies that already have a foothold. And so the challenge back from me to Adam was we need to find something that a startup can do, or rather uh, that a startup should do. So there are lots of things that um, startups can't do. And there are things that startups can do, but um, are probably not best suited for. Um, And then there are things that startups ought to do and that require really understanding uh, user experience, or completely changing the way um, people work and looking at things um, in very different ways. Um, we thought that um, mobile task management was um, one of those opportunities.
0: Very cool, and then Infinity was born, right?
1: That's right, yeah, so back end of 2013, beginning of 2014, we incorporated the company, um, raised a bit of um, pre-seed money, um, we won a TSB at the Time Technology Strategy Board grant for a proof of concept for what we were planning, um, which validated the initial idea um, and that w- that sort of formalized our first year really. We were trying to understand what was the problem we needed to solve, how were we going to solve it? Could we build a proof of concept that would meaningful impact meaningfully impact on the problem and Just to be clear, the problem we were looking at at the time we categorized as Um, handover because handover and for those that don't know is the process by which healthcare professionals are exchanging uh, the most critical information they have about patients and the responsibility for the work that has to be done and that happens at the beginnings and ends of every shift and then there's an ad hoc handover process that happens and this all happens verbally or using pieces of paper which are typically printed out pieces of Excel and we thought we could build a task management solution that would be inherently mobile first, point of care solution, to resolve that. And then we started doing a lot of research around the impact that that has. So we were understanding that a third of the time that anything goes wrong in healthcare, it's due to poor commun- communication at the point of handover. That's what, that was a staggering figure to discover. Um, and sort of like realizing that it wasn't just a, an efficiency and productivity opportunity, there was also quality and safety opportunity to improve things for patients as well.
0: There's loads I want to talk to you about, mate, about infinity itself and all the different bits. But one question I've got from your background was that you mentioned someone called Dolly was the best manager
1: you've ever had. I'm intrigued as to why. Yeah, that's a good, really good question. I'm still trying to figure it out um, as I try to be a better manager myself. Because
0: um, <laughs> I was going to ask, you know, are you are you then trying to, you know, emulate those good management techniques?
1: And if so, what, what, what were they? But yeah, talk to me about that. Trust, I think. So she had an awful lot of trust in an 18, 19-year-old to come into a very small department. She gave me a lot of a lot of responsibility very early on, um, and I think that was brave of her. And it, I, I think it worked out for both of us. And I think, that, I think that's one of the lessons I've learned from her. She had an awful lot of trust in me, mm. uh, which was great. But she was also really, really passionate about what she did, but also very, very realistic. I mean, she, we used to... Uh, talk about the, the music industry is filled with frustrated musicians right and I was I was a frustrated musician um, and we would talk about how it wasn't really a business it called itself the music business but it was actually just a bunch of enthusiasts that thought they understood business mm. which is probably why it was so ripe for takeover and disruption by the tech field But yeah, she was very, very um, open to new ideas and trusting others.
0: What about the experience of having a brand new innovation come and essentially wipe out an old way of working? Do you think that has... Well, on one hand, do you think that kind of inspired you to try and do that yourself with Infinity and Healthcare? And I suppose on the other hand, does that mean that you've always got a kind of a realisation that you've got to stay on top of the game and you've got to be ahead of the game and all those different things. And what did that experience teach
1: you? That's a really good point to make. Um, And I've never heard it characterised so clearly, actually. Well, I'm I'm not going to
0: take complete credit for this. It's because (laughs) the person that I've interviewed for last week's episode underwent a really similar experience in that they were part of a company very early on in their career that got disrupted and just disappeared. And so the person, you know, then just did not rest on their laurels and just made sure in their new company, they were constantly ahead of the game and looking forwards and, you know, all all that type of thing. So I'm not going to take
1: complete credit for the question. I don't think the fundamentals change in business. I think the idea is that you have to, uh, as a company, your job is to deliver value um, and people need to recognize that value. And that's the the goal. And then seeing where technology can add value or significantly change the way that people work and deliver their own value is really important. But Mm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeing Apple come along, seeing a weak relationship between the labels and the retailers um, and seeing that technology could completely disrupt that space. And then they could own that relationship between um, the uh, listening audience and the publisher of that music Um, and I think that's what they did really well. I think they're doing that with Apple pay as well. And so I see lots of, lots of technologies doing that. They, they, they're seeing poor user experiences. I mean, Deliveroo and Uber Eats is a, another good example of that and coming in and owning that user experience and improving on it. And then in order to stay at that forefront, you are going to have to constantly innovate and delight users. I think that's definitely true.
0: And that's a luxury that has not traditionally been afforded to people that work in healthcare. That kind of, as you as you put it, the delightful experience of using technology. I think it's a, it's a, it's a crying shame. I mean, I can remember being a doctor myself and going through handover, you know, twice a day, every day and it being paper based it be you know it just being on like scraps of paper that are crumpled up and you can't see down the margins and in between the or by the staple you know all, all these all these different things that actually end up having a knock on effect on on what is what is patient care you know for the rest of the shift and you know if you if you're tired at the end of shift and you you can't remember everything or you've scribbled something, you can't read your own handwriting. I mean, there's, there's so much to do with handover, right? That you guys are are trying to correct. And I, I mean, I can remember and talking about, you know, this, about this delightful experience thing. uh, I can remember going to your very, very, very first like launch pitch. I think it must've been just after you got pre-seed money and I, like I at the time yeah. i was i was a jobbing doctor at the time and in fact i think i would just moved to health education england i think i'd just done my first fellowship so i was just out of clinical practice maybe but you know i was essentially a jobbing doctor like a couple of weeks before but i can, I can remember literally just being like honestly blown away and i was like i've never seen a presentation given so smoothly i've never seen technology that looks so good and you know all these different things and yeah, OK, things have changed a lot since then and, and you know, to where it is now. But I, I do just remember thinking like these guys have properly focused on, on the design of, of how this should be in an ideal world. Um, I don't know if you can remember that pitch I I remember remember it
1: very clearly I'll tell you why I remember it so clearly is because the reason it went so smoothly is because of the hours and hours and hours of prep we put into it looked rehearsed definitely yeah rehearsing for those presentations I think I think uh, a lot of people see tech demos um, good ones and bad ones and the good ones they just I don't think people realise just how much work goes into a good tech demo, yeah. um, and they, and that's the idea, right? You're, they're not supposed to know; um, they're just supposed to think it's a good tech demo. <laughs> and I, I also think the um, it, I, that was that particular um, presentation that we did. Uh, we focused very clearly on walking a patient through the front door of a hospital and um, try to capture how infinity would be used to improve the journey that that patient has as they move through the hospital, have their procedure, and then are discharged. Mm. And along the way, we tried to highlight uh, particular pain points that clinicians feel throughout the day. So the frustrations that they can't simply take a message that they might have been sent on WhatsApp and then convert that into a task that then needs to happen. And we, we kind of would focus on how we would do that very smoothly um, and save considerable amounts of time. And I think when people realize that they're getting their time back, um, that's delightful. Um, it feels like someone's thought about what they've done uh, their day to day and try to meaningfully uh, impact on that in a positive way and i th- we always do that we always try and focus on the clinicians in the room because we spend so much time with frontline staff if we can if we can get them on our side then we know that what we're doing has value we now just need to prove it mm. to the decision makers and the budget holders
0: and so ultimately right the the product itself is a solution that, that helps with it helps with handovers but it also helps with managing tasks during the day right i know when you briefly sort of introduced infinity a, a few minutes ago like you mentioned a lot of words like ta- task management and collaboration and like all these different things but right. walk me through the product in, in, in a real layman's term so that essentially the clinicians listening or or you know the the people listening that might not be in healthcare on the ground floor can kind of understand what it is and how it helps people
1: Right. It, uh, we started off life as a handover app, which was how we uh, used to articulate it. It's now grown considerably from that to what we would describe as a task management service for healthcare. And what that really means is, well, if you take the fact that we spend, we spend about 130 billion pounds a year on health, health and social care in this country, the overwhelming majority of that is spent on staff salaries as you might expect we employ about 1.4 million people um i think that it's well understood that we have increasing demand for services and the supply of healthcare or healthcare staff is somewhat rate limited by money and training and all of those things so technology can play a big part at various different parts of that problem like how are we going to reduce the demand and there are digital therapeutics out there that will help you manage your diabetes or um, more efficiently reorder your prescription medication. And so there's real innovation going on there about how patients can self-manage. And there's an awful lot of data analytics going on uh, that do better work at predictive analytics. There's some really interesting AI work going on around how we could more rapidly diagnose problems and then treat them more efficiently. And what we thought was there's very little going on that's actually helping the clinician, those 1.4 million staff, um, deliver care more effectively. And um, staff are constantly frustrated by inefficient processes, um, paper processes, verbal face-to-face processes that could be uh, reduced or optimised by technology. And so Infinity is a task management solution that essentially tries to optimise and coordinate the activity that staff do every day. And that manifests itself in the form of a task list that sits in everybody's pocket. I mean, if we had to summarize what infinity is, or it's our, our ambition, it's that we want to put an individualized and prioritized task list in everybody's pocket in in healthcare. But And, and that's a little bit glib, but surrounding that, you can imagine you have a list of your patients, and you can sort and prioritise those by anything you like. So you can ha- you say, show me all my patients under a particular surgeon, or show me patients that are diabetic, or show me patients that were most recently admitted. And then we show you all of the tasks that have to be done for those patients. And you could see just your tasks for those patients, or you might want to see all of the tasks that are being done. And that's the end users view, and they can we're not trying to replace the electronic health record at all. We're trying to sit on top of it and give the person at the point of care the information and the tools they need to know what they have to do and the ability to record it and document it really easily and share that with the rest of the team so that everybody knows what's going on. And then so sort of one layer up from that, we provide Um, sort of intelligence uh, dashboards for department managers or ward managers so that they can see what their team are doing in real time and they can spot where tasks aren't being done or something's overdue or um, they can see a blockage happening and then they can make data driven decisions in real time. And that's pretty really what infinity is so it's it's it manifests itself in the form of an app but also we we say we're an interface company right and um, the best interface is the simplest interface and the simplest interface is no interface at all so sometimes infinity sits entirely in the background Um, And people won't even know it's happening. So we're planning an implementation at the the moment that will monitor for when a patient gets discharged and will automatically create a task that says this team now needs to get this bed cleaned. And once it's cleaned, we need to inform the porters to come and pick this bed up and take it back to the ward. We can do all of that in, in an automated way and it doesn't require anyone to actually interact with any interface at all.
0: I see. So, from the clinician's point of view, and so I'm just thinking of all the all the kind of value propositions here and the different kind of users, customers, whatever you want to call it. So, for the clinicians involved, what you're essentially replacing is that kind of scrunched up paper list where you're scribbling on the back the things to do, and you're colouring in boxes half and then full, and you're you know waiting and then they're done and all that sort of stuff. You're replacing that by actually what is a smart device or an app or whatever you know, however it, it comes that. Is essentially just giving you a list of stuff to do that is, uh, I suppose, almost automatically curated. As long as that's well distributed across the team to, to, to sort of do the things that you've started, started saying at that latter bit, then I suppose this list is kind of automatically updating as to what's important, what's due, when, and actually. Yeah, then, then obviously by proxy, then the, the handover becomes much easier because essentially it's all electronic. The the priorities of things are already organized. What's done is already organized. And yeah, so I've, have I got that bit right?
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. For instance, imagine you were able to, if you go back to your clinical days, if you were able to organize your workload by estimated date of discharge, if that's just something you wanted to be able to do, and, and go back to that Excel spreadsheet and realize that there's just no way for you to be able to do that easily. With infinity, t- because uh, the discharge plan is something that we capture, so the estimated date of discharge, whether or not that's confirmed or, or to, to be confirmed would tell us um, would give us the ability to sort your tasks by the EDD. And now you can say, okay, fine, I need to get these three tasks done first, because we're trying to get those the, the, the wards trying to get those beds freed up today. And if I don't do that, inevitably, you're going to be chased for the rest of the day, right? So like in, in the past, you would have phone calls from the ward manager or the site team asking you to get this job done, because you're the one blocking the discharge of a patient. And that's a frustrating position to be in as a clinician I think and so just to be able to give you that ability means that I'll I'll do this stuff in this order because it gets these people off my back
0: (laughs) yeah I see so you're almost kind of digitizing and documenting all of the human factors as well to allow people to make more informed decisions as to what they do when yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah and there's a real opportunity in the future I don't think we're giving too much away for the for the technologists is if if you think about the data we're collecting so we know every task that's being created for every patient we know when it's being done when it was due to be done when it was actually done in what order it was done who did it how many of those things they were able to do in a day so our data set that we're building really understands what the resource mix looks like Um, and what it's doing, Um, and so that it's it's only a hop, skip, and a jump before we're going to be able to then reverse that back and say this is the optimum resource mix in order to meet this predicted demand that you have. And I think that task management, while it's a really difficult problem to solve, is a really valuable one, not just because it solves an immediate problem, which is that there are clinicians that have ridiculous and growing caseloads um, and they work in a risk of life mission critical environment high pressure and and the stakes are only going up and up and up and the cost you know we we're, we're requiring that costs come down but quality goes up um, and all of this pressure is being added to frontline staff a we we're, we're simply providing a tool that makes that a little bit easier that's that's one part of our proposition to end users but the the significant opportunity for the whole system is that your a hospital will understand exactly how many SHOs, how many registrars, how many consultants they need to deliver on this demand on this day of the week um, at this time of the year and I think that's a really valuable data set.
0: I can definitely see the value in that data set so I'm intrigued at this point Of how you know, so you you started you know, two thousand fourteen over the last few years, you've obviously got to where you are now from that handover app. I'm just interested in your journey there just because I can only imagine, and bear in mind, I've done a few projects, QI projects when I was a doctor about handover and all these different things. And when you start to open that up into trying to change things, you just end up down a rabbit hole of just so many different things that need to be done to sustain any sort of change because handover is just so integral to just the way the hospital runs. So you can't really be too disruptive and you've got to, you've got to be careful of like everyone's different kind of role as a stakeholder in that process. You know, there's all these different things, right. That I can imagine that you've just ended up completely down a rabbit hole to try and, to try and, um, to try and solve. Yeah, and I it's think 2019 now, right? Well, exactly. Exactly. You're just emerging from the, the rabbit hole. So it, I mean, tell me a little bit about that because one thing that I talk about on this podcast almost every episode is is trying to get entrepreneurs to understand their customer and understand all of their all their stakeholders so you so you can get the the right value propositions correctly communicated right that's the goal to then start to make sales and all these different things but i can imagine understanding this process and one thing i always say is you know immerse yourself in the world and truly try and understand it i can imagine for you guys to try and do this did take a long time and was really difficult
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we were a little bit naive, um, I think would be fair to say about the, the scale of the problem. So we thought that a handover app was um, something that we could deliver and that could be the totality of the scope of the business is that Infinity have this handover solution and that it would plug into everything else to solve, to solve all the other problems. But what we've realized is that handover is just a subset of um, a much bigger problem, which is that productivity and workflow um, in healthcare environments is, is underserved by the technology that's out there at the moment. And yeah. in order to do something meaningful, you can't just solve the handover problem. You also have to provide the uh, real-time, Intelligence to managers so that they can see what's going on. That's where digitising handover becomes really valuable, in our opinion, is that you you've now connecting not just the frontline staff but also the operational teams that need to sort of manage flow between departments and wards. Um, so that that was that's one of the reasons why we've been on such a long journey is that we've bitten off. We, we had bitten off considerably more than we could chew in a year or two. It took us longer than that to really understand the problem. Um, and I, I said recently when asked about this, I think we spent a, a long time listening. Uh, we realized that, that we were going to have to listen a lot to what are the problems? What are the problems that are, that need to be solved? What are the priorities here? Because you can't solve all of the problems straight away. Um, and then, pitching a product and a solution that was A, achievable for a startup and B, sort of like meaningful enough um, when you launch it was really challenging. Um, And we're now at that place where we, we know that we could turn up to a trust, ask them what their priorities are, like where they have workflow or task management issues and then we can use our technology to solve that problem so we don't turn up with a one-size-fits-all solution we turn up with a toolkit that allows us to rapidly build secure production ready task management solutions um, that are highly customized in for the environments in which they're intended to be used that's such
0: a strong position to be in. The fact that you can do that in a scalable way, because I think one thing about the NHS is that if you're going to sustain a business model in the UK NHS, you need to find a problem that is experience that is either experienced in exactly the same way everywhere. Or you can customize your solution without too much work on your part to still make it relatively scalable. I think that's the sweet spot of things. And one other thing that I want to pull out here is, again, a a message that I tend to say on so many of these podcasts, which is you can't just solve part of a problem. And health tech entrepreneurs, I find, are so passionate about solving what's ever in front of them or whatever they've come across. But exactly in this case tends to be what happens is that it's part that's just the tip of the iceberg that's above the surface. But in fact, you you then just uncover this like labyrinth and plethora. Of, of things that it's connected to that you can't just solve that thing, which looked quite easy to solve, like exactly how you've just said, right? That you, you created an app for handover because handover didn't serve its purpose. So you create a handover app, but actually handover is connected, as you exactly said to every other productivity process, throughout people's day everybody that comes to that handover has, has had a whole day of stuff that they're then bringing to that so it's actually that whole process that needs to be changed and it's it's so interesting seeing your journey now and, and seeing how you know when i originally saw that presentation to where you are now of actually you know solving that problem end to end for real customers because you guys are now you're now in hospitals right solving these problems yeah
1: yeah um, and the nature of the problems we're solving are changing. So you're absolutely right. It's, um, it's been difficult. And then when you start to unpick a problem, you kind of realize you're actually just scraping the surface of a problem and it's much, much bigger. You discover the glacier below the surface. And that's worrying. But also, I, th- I think it's difficult in terms of proposition infinity, but also it's difficult technically. So we are required to plug into other systems So the patient administration system in a hospital or the electronic health record or it might be the um, clinical data repository where um, assessment forms are being stored in order to be able to determine what tasks need to be done or allow someone to complete those tasks. So we actually have to plug into other systems as well. And I'm sure you've discussed it already, but the challenges around interoperability in health information systems has been particularly acute in this country and we now have organizations like nhsx that are addressing that head on um, and that's very very welcome um, but we've had those we've had those technical challenges we've also had the challenges of procurement so it's well understood that public service procurement's challenging um, so getting on the right procurement frameworks we've had the challenges of governance so we're handling the most sensitive information there is about individuals. So we have to meet the gold standard for privacy and security management. So yeah, we've had, we've, we've realized that we bit off uh, a really challenging, <laughs> <laughs> challenging problem, sort of a year and a half in it took us to, we really discovered just how big this problem was. And then, and at the time, the business was sort of like, was trying to decide whether or not it was going to be doing just this or other things. And that was a very interesting discussion at the time, like whether or not we should focus purely on this or something else. Yeah. And it was just agreed that there was just no bandwidth to do anything else um, yeah. other than this. Yeah, and we're now we're now in hospitals. So um, the the nature of the sorts of problems we solve are if you are in an emergency department, uh, there's about a hundred thousand portering requests in and out of emergency departments every year, and this t- they typically move patients from the emergency department to radiology and back again, or t- um, they, they're moved up to a ward because they're being admitted. That was That's all done on paper, uh, traditionally, in hospitals. So there'll be a piece of paper where a clinician would write down HDU2 to ward 4. And then hopefully uh, the, the porters would come back to that piece of paper, choose to do the that job in the right order. Um, And then they turn up to HDU3 sort of 20 minutes later. And then for some reason the patient to be moved and they can't find who who had ordered the job and they don't know the name of the patient they were supposed to move. Um, And then sort of half an hour later um, an angry clinician turns up to the portal supervisor wondering why their patient is sat in the corridor still and they should have been moved to the ward. Our, our solution sort of just lays on top of that. So we've taken that process and digitized it. Um, and by digitizing it, you essentially turn it into um, sort of like ride sharing, like an Uber service. Like I, I need... I log in securely as a clinician, I select my patient, I want them to go from here to here, and I can provide additional information like how many porters do I need and what's the mode of transport, if necessary. And when I submit that, we then track it through from this job has been accepted, it's now in progress, it's completed, or it's been cancelled, and it's been cancelled for this reason, or it's been rebooked, or it's been escalated. Um, So we... and that that solution now saves about six minutes per portering request. And on a hundred thousand a year, that really adds up. That's over Mm -hmm. 10,000 hours of time given back to um, porters for sure, but also staff no longer chasing jobs and patients aren't sitting around um, unnecessarily waiting for a porter to turn up. And that is really just scratching the the very surface of what infinity can do. Um, So in, in another environment, Um, Infinity would be used for every time a patient is admitted, we're required to do this assessment. Um, So it might be VTE assessment or sepsis assessment. We can can do that now because um, when a patient's admitted, we'll create the patient within Infinity, we automatically create the task, and then we'll nag you until you complete that task. And if you don't do it in time, we'll then escalate that notification to someone more senior to make sure it gets done. So we'll drive up the completion rate of those assessment forms. We'll also make sure that people complete them correctly because now we'll, we'll ask them to complete them in line on a mobile device at the point of care and we'll be do form validation. So, or field validation to make sure that they're putting the right information in. So the accuracy will go up compared to the paper forms. And then if the paper form is filled out and is filled out correctly, it would normally be put in a pigeonhole. Well, um, What happens when there needs to be a follow up and that person's scoring highly on their VT assessment. In infinity, we can automate a task that a pharmacist will come down and review the patient. So we'll improve the follow up rate. And I think that's somewhere where technology can be used, not necessarily for productivity or efficiency gain, but for improved quality and outcomes and reduced risks for patients. So, task management doesn't need to be just about cost saving and efficiency. It's also about quality and safety for patients. And something that we don't talk about enough is uh, the the experiences of staff and patients as well.
0: I totally agree with that, and I would, as a as a previous staff member, by you know, for me, there was often it was often difficult to prioritize stuff, especially, you know, if you're an F1 on the wards, say it's, it's very difficult to prioritize stuff. It's very difficult to know, whether I should be dosing someone's warfarin or going down to A&E to see that, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to know kind of what to put where. And I think, you know, something like this that <laughs> makes it very clear in black and white what people should be doing, if it does indeed become urgent, can take a weight off people's minds. And similarly, as you say, it's, it's going to speed up everything to make the quality of care for patients better. And that, I guess, leads me on to, to my next question, which is around how disruptive is this and I mean the word disruptive in in both a positive way that the tech community use but also I, I guess in a in a negative way in, w- in the way that people don't like to have their work disrupted right because if mm-hmm. people are operating at 110 percent capacity as it is they can't get any less efficient learning and new systems then get more efficient and it seems to me that in order for this to work it needs quite a lot of people on board so even that example that you mentioned there about having the pharmacist on board and all the different clinicians from the juniors to the seniors and all these different things they obviously need to be aware of the system and, and all that sort of stuff you've found a way to get this adopted um in a way that everybody does use it so i'm quite keen to hear your process behind that with adoption just being so difficult
1: in in healthcare yeah okay so the i would start with the the fundamentals are we don't we we don't change what doesn't need to be changed is the first Mm. thing we do so there's really good research into the way in which handover should be done right so there's things like sbar um, which is like a framework for how information should be uh, documented and exchanged at the point of handover Uh, The professional record standards body have done some really good work around the standard for um, how handover should be done um so i I think people in healthcare really understand how to exchange information they've just been doing it with really terrible tools up until this point all Mm -hmm. we're trying to do is replace some of the tools so stop using excel stop printing this out you might not necessarily need as many or as long face-to-face meetings to get this done Um, and technology can play some role there that's the first thing to try not to change too much like so we've just taken those good practices and then digitize them where we think they're um poor in in some way so perhaps they're inefficient they take too much time there's too much duplication in that process um, and we know that technology can eliminate that we will make a change and those that change is normally very welcome so staff that are at the, that are working at the point of care, when you show them infinity, what they typically do is understand it within three minutes. Um, so we, we do tests where um, a locum uh, SHO could join a handover and three minutes before they could be onboarded into the app um, and onboarded into the team um, and then given some navigation on how to use the app. And then for the rest of that shift, they'll use infinity for task management. So the, the, the training is is minimal. That's very welcome. But also the the delightful stuff. So when it um, when it's able to sort your tasks in ways that you've not been able to before, that is perceived to be very genuinely helpful to their day. They're not being forced to do something because it was res- because they're having to document something for somebody or some audit further down the line. Almost everything in Infinity is there to serve the end user and make them a more effective um clinician
0: mm, nice so ta- talk to yeah. about the business model then so obviously you guys are now in a, f- a fair few different organizations how are those organizations paying for you and
1: what was your thinking behind the business model that you chose so our business model currently is um and it's our job to um constantly try new models um that are acceptable But our business model is that it's quite quite traditional for uh, enterprise software. So we'll charge a setup and configuration fee. So that's normally um, time and materials for work to integrate it into their particular systems or make particular configurations just for them um, and then set up their users and environments. And that's a one off fee. And then we have a license fee, which is charged annually or um some organizations like to pay for two years up front um, and we'll offer volume discounts on those licenses and i think i'll come back to the volumetric we use for licensing and uh, beyond that we we have a standard service level agreement but sometimes organizations might want enhanced service levels so if there's um, a team that works out of normal business hours perhaps they need support um, out of those hours and we offer Um, sort of optimize and enhance response times resolution times for customers that need that because it's a risk of life or a mission critical service that we're providing so coming back to the license fee that license so the 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 license is something that we we think about a lot so we're, we're trying to tie the cost of that license intrinsically to the value that it provides so um that might be that we could say per user per month so um, infinity for every user is say five to ten pounds a month that might be one way that we do it but what we found is that it doesn't that doesn't tie the value uh, tightly enough to the value that's being provided so instead what we're trying to move to is a cost per task Um, so for every task of this type We know that we're safe, say in the case of uh, portering, we're saving six minutes and that that translates to some value. Um, We then try to take some proportion, some fraction of that value. So infinity is incentivized in a way to consume inefficiencies and save money. And we want to be as transparent as we can be about that. So what we're trying to move to is a cost per task business model
0: that that is really interesting as you say that it makes it a lot more justifiable then for organisations because essentially it's sort of no win no fee if you're not solving the big problems you're or making the big efficiencies then you're not getting paid big but similarly if you are making solving the big problems you're getting paid for it in what they recoup down the line It must be quite difficult to to assign the i guess the cost as you say the cost per task and sort of identifying that but if if you can do it and i suppose actually thinking about it it it, it might be easier than than even i think there because
1: there's there's probably enough evidence in the system right for a lot of them we're not sure is the truth so we're we're not sure how easy it's going to be to fully um Evidence the value that each task is able to provide, which mm. means that Infinity probably can't charge um, what it's the true value of what it's providing, if that's fair. So, um, for instance, port uh, to keep going back to this portering one, but it's simple, so it's easy to understand. Is that it's it's clear that ten thousand hours of portering time is definitely being saved, and that's really easy. So, if you if you assume that a porter works about eighteen hundred hours a year you know, for every 1800 hours, we can save the average portering salary, because that could be a cashable saving for an organization. And then it's, it's fair to say that we could take some proportion of every task then, um, as as a fee, and you know that for every pound infinity is getting that the organization is getting multiples of that back in savings. Um, That's where we would like to be. But there there are definitely situations like the portering where it's really not understood the real value. So we're not taking into account any of the time that's being saved by clinicians that are, have an, an easier time requesting a porter or and they're no longer chasing them. We're not taking into account that patients are getting to their investigations sooner than they would have. We're not taking into account that we're actually smoothing out the uh, response times throughout the day so that there's never a buildup of patients in the radiology department. So they don't have to have uh, large numbers of staff working to account for the peaks in demand in on their department because the peaks are lower Uh, we don't take any of that into account so we're not really charging for the or or, or demonstrating the real value that infinity is providing what we're doing is saying that there's so much waste in the system that we only need to evidence a little bit of it for infinity to have a very um, decent business model for the business we'll be able to sustain ourselves and continue to be innovative but also the organizations will be able to evidence that they're at least saving this much money um, and potentially considerably more
0: yeah i think you're right i think the the difficulty is always going to be finding as you say where it's cashable and actually turning that cost saving and time saving into actual pounds for the organization that tends to be the most difficult thing i remember even when i was a clinician you know doing load of qi projects like quality improvement projects and and doing that kind of cost saving calculation by you know the the time that it saved for clinicians and stuff and it, it as you say you know it only really comes into play when you play when you can actually cash that and that's inevitably always the difficulty but it sounds like you guys are doing the right thing you know just playing about with the business model to just see what works because ultimately the market's gonna tell you and decide what it pays for and so whatever you guys can do to get it in and and help people with their productivity the better i imagine and i guess on that note then so you guys obviously raised your pre-seed and i think you did a seed round after that are you guys looking at a series a anytime soon
1: yeah we're thinking about i don't know how we name it um, if we could we, yeah we probably call it an <laughs> the, the <laughs> names really don't mean anything these days <laughs> yeah. like it's a pre-a
0: or a post-a or a, a post-seed or like you're, you're raising some money and <laughs> so, some money
1: uh, but we're raising so i we're i think we're quite aligned about um the reasons for why money should be raised how it should be used um and understanding why a business might need investment and some businesses don't. Uh, I think health tech investment is challenging anyway, because there's been some big investments that perhaps haven't worked out or haven't quite gone the way they were supposed to go, or um, there's been um, a particular type of investment. So there's been a lot of investment into AI um, in healthcare, but, or or, uh, digital therapeutics, so uh, B2C um, offerings that aim to reduce demand and help manage people's conditions. But the investment that's going on in health information systems and productivity tools is, uh, a, I think, a different type of investment. It requires a different type of investor that's taking um, a, 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 long, a slightly longer term view, um, but understands the scale of the opportunity that if we get this right, what could be done, like the value that we can add uh, to health services around the world is immense. Um, if, if just taking the UK as the example, you know, spending, you know, in, in the on the order of about 100 billion pounds a year on staff in the NHS, a, a tool that is designed to make that workforce as efficient, uh, as productive, um, and as effective as possible, I think is a real opportunity. And that's that's, summarizes what we're going after and so if we could just find well we, we found a 10 percent efficiency saving in the in the portering solution so for every 10 porters they have they could lose or reassign one to another needed part of the hospital um and that, that's significant
0: yeah it's, it seems like you're in a good spot to raise money especially with the traction that you've got recently with um all your customers and stuff it seems like it should be it should be a good journey for you to to you know take some money on board and essentially scale what you 're doing because, as you say it 's it 's so difficult to to quantify some of this stuff but then in other parts it it really is obvious you know with with the a literal percentage saving of either people's time that they can readjust their staffing or you know whatever it is that, that they that they end up quantifying it it definitely exists in the system so you guys are i suppose with, with the fact it's been so difficult and and you know a long journey to get where you are it's sort of like the moat that you've created again is pretty significant because the 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 complex labyrinth that you've had to navigate to get where you are. I don't suppose there are many companies in and around you doing
1: similar stuff. No. In fact, the only company in the UK that we were ever we ever thought was directly competitive was uh, the Heart project that was being run by Lord Aradazi and Dominic King out of Imperial before it got um sort of transferred to what was Google DeepMind. Um, deep mind health to google health now so yeah there really there really isn't any other um direct competitor that we're aware of although i'm i, I would like to be corrected if there are others in the uk <laughs> uh, there are certainly people in the us that are starting to see it the way that we see it as well and that's exciting that there are i i think i think that they there could be many players in this space and i think a, a rising tide will raise all ships i would also point out Going back to something that you said before, which is that as you start to unpick the problem, you realize that it's, it's much, much bigger and that it touches the sides of other problems and other solutions. And I think that that's something that we have to do. We have to work with partners, um, both in the digital health space, um, to integrate our products together in order to solve some of these bigger problems. So infinity needn't be the monolith that tries to solve every problem that it it touches in healthcare, but by working in smart ways with other innovative companies, or indeed, large incumbent companies, like the electronic health record systems, working closely with them, um, we can actually maximise the investments that trusts have made in those systems by solving problems that are bigger than uh, either of us are able to solve on our own.
0: Mm, i agree so what do you think the future is then of this space so fast forward five years ten years however long you want to go ahead with these kind of productivity tools how do you see a clinician's day in the future with these
1: tools sort of mass adopted uh, obviously i'm going to caveat this I, I imagine you're asking other people this question as well and i hope they seem to be which is handy, <laughs> we're really good at sort of like overestimating what can be achieved in the short term and underestimating what can be achieved in the long term, mm-hmm. when it comes to predicting the future. But I would say that so like within five years, um, I think it's reasonable to assume that staff working at the point of care will have access to devices that will certainly be running some form of Infinity's task management service. So whether it's through another app or experience that they're using, or it's uh, an Infinity UI itself, I would like to imagine that uh, millions of staff members around the world will be using Infinity to uh, understand what they need to do and in the priority they're supposed to be doing it, and then using Infinity to record that information. Where I think this is going to get clever and interesting is where we start to work with uh, companies like Google or IBM who are doing some really interesting things with AI where they're exploring the health record for that person and then returning um, decision support or best practice um, based on the most current uh, research or um, understanding that's out there. And I think that Infinity, by working closely with those organizations, could become a a way to surface that um, intelligence at the point of care. So staff around them are going to find that their device might be suggesting the next three things that ought to be done post-op. Because uh, it's well understood that these are the things you're supposed to do to a 65 year old female that's just had a hip replacement and they're two days post-op, And these are the things that you might want to do. That's one aspect of it. I see our data being used to feed those algorithms and optimize them and make them better and provide sort of real time intelligence to trust so they understand exactly where the problems might be so that they can optimize their resourcing. But for the for the person at the point of care, I think that they're just going to find that the machine around them, that hospital environment is going to become far more efficient and oiled and um, helpful. So it will start to do things um, preemptively for you, um, that you would find particularly helpful, I would imagine as a clinician, because that's not your core competency, your core competency is delivering care. It's not necessarily all the admin or uh, information sharing that goes around that, that is something that Uh, systems can do in a much with with much less friction
0: incredibly so mate and I, I think one of the one of the reasons I like what you guys are doing is because it really hits on something that I experienced every day as a clinician which was frustration at inefficiency and doing tasks and and things that just didn't feel repetitive tasks let's put it that way like things that i just didn't feel were necessary in a world where we were so techno we are so technologically advanced my frustration wasn't the fact that i had to do the tasks i was happy to do the tasks just because you know that that's my job and that's fine it was my frustration was more the fact that like we could all be doing so many other things and we could be treating more patients and this whole system could be running more efficiently. And I think that's, that's why I like what you guys are doing. And, and especially in the context of it is so difficult and it is a rabbit warren and a labyrinth to find all the problems and, and figure out a way of actually doing it. I'm fully aware there is a moat behind you in the UK where there aren't many companies doing this at all. And I think, Interestingly, perhaps I'm biased because of my particular frustration with the problems that you guys are solving, but I think the the benefits are going to be felt down the line in recruitment and retention of staff, because as you've said a few times on this podcast, the fact that what you're doing improves quality of care for patients, but also quality of life for staff, I think is Underestimated. i mean we know all the problems that the nhs england and health education england have at, you know recruitment and retention of, of of you know all sorts of different types of clinicians and i think something like this that genuinely improves the working life of, of staff can have a real genuine impact on that recruitment and retention and i think it could solve a lot of a lot of problems in, in the uk
1: we see it all the time. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, we're, I mean, there's 1.4 million people in the UK working for the NHS caring about their experience as, because it has a direct knock-on effect to the, the millions of patients that they see and treat every year. And don't forget, I mean, those 1.4 million people are also patients as well at times. So worrying about their experiences has a direct impact on the patient experience. Absolutely.
0: Well, I, I wish you guys all the success in the world, man. I think th- honestly, I genuinely think what you're doing is awesome. I think um, the the quicker the, the productivity issue is solved, the better. So I would encourage <laughs> more people to take a look at what you're doing, particularly if, if you're in any sort of... Uh, leadership or buying capacity in a hospital i think it's an awesome piece of kit to look at so dude thank you so much for coming on um the way that we end these podcasts is that i basically hand back over to you to just summarize a little bit about yourself a little bit about the company and to close us out with any asks that you've got of our audience so
1: thanks very much thanks james i haven't prepared this. <laughs> Nobody <Sorry>. has, dude. <laughs> um so i i think that last point that we end on is 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 important so uh, and i think tara donnelly said it best actually so in a blog article she wrote a while ago when trying to explain the work that nhsx are doing and she said that i think i think the words were this is technical work but it will provide resolutely human results um i think that's exactly what infinity is Uh, it's we're, we're a very technical company um and our tech stack is is something that we're very proud of and our technologies and our ui is something that we care deeply about but what we're trying to do is make uh, the clinician's life and the the manager's life at the point of care um, easier um for them to be their best self right so if we can if we can give them the tools they need then uh, patients will have better experiences and outcomes staff will have better experiences and outcomes and costs will come down and quality will improve So yeah, in the words of Tara Donnelly, I suppose uh, this is technical work, but it will provide resolutely human results. Amazing. And do you have any asks of our audience? So if there are any healthcare providers listening, please get in touch. We're really interested to hear from you. Um, If you think you have a productivity or workflow problem, just send an email to hello at infinity.health and one of us will get back to you. We'd like to work in partnership with you to solve some of these problems because it's not something we're going to come in and do to you. It's something we're going to do with you and with your staff. So please do get in touch if you have a productivity um, or a workflow challenge you'd like us to address. And if you don't have a productivity
0: or workflow issue, then do contact me because I'm very keen to find a hospital that doesn't actually have those problems. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. So, Elliot, Everyone thanks so else much for coming on.
1: Denial,
0: right? Well, do you know what? I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. I genuinely would like to hear from anybody who thinks they're doing that the best, and I'd like to see what they use. And I'm sure Elliot would too. Um, but, Elliot, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. All right, for thanks, our listeners, James. I'll put all of Elliot's contact details and stuff in the description of this episode. But, Elliot, thanks so much, dude, and we'll speak soon. Speak to you soon. Thanks, James.